Finding your way to a balanced way of living is the key to health and happiness. Each week on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes, you'll hear tips and tools for a happier and healthier life. Here's your host, Anita Westlake. So we're still at the beginning of a new year, and many of us have made New Year's resolutions to lose weight and adopt a healthier lifestyle. They say about 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, but only about 8% actually have success in this area. And this is through um, a study and research done through the University of Scranton. So 8%, that means over 90% of us are struggling at the end with keeping up challenges when it comes to perhaps our lifestyles, you know, making healthier choices, making a shift uh, to lose weight, exercise more. So to help us become part of that 8% of the population, my guest today is Janet Lagori. She's a personal trainer and a nutritionist who's going to give us some suggestions to help us become part of that 8% when it comes to these, um, these New Year's resolutions and goals that we set for ourselves. Hi, Janet. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you could join us today. Now, you're a personal trainer, and mm-hmm. it's the beginning of the new year, and I'm sure this is the time of year that you get flooded with everybody coming to you wanting to lose weight, to get into better shape, just maybe even perhaps be healthier. Uh, Absolutely. I've got uh, all kinds in the first three weeks, I'd say, of January of appointments. And I'll see people a couple of times, and they always tend to taper off around February. Uh, And I don't see them again. (laughs) Really? That quick? Yeah, yeah. Well, there goes, that that explains 8% of success, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, and I do actually get the most nutrition sessions in January as well. Uh, and then again, it tapers off in February. Wow. Okay, so what do you see a pattern here? Do you think people rush in and just go gung-ho at the beginning? Yeah, most people become more conscious and, conscious and aware of, you know, how they're feeling and they understand that they need to make a change and so they do rush in and, and they take the first couple steps necessary to achieving their goals, but they never really follow through. And the only success I've ever seen the six years that I've been doing this are, are the people who take the protocol that we give them as nutritionists and trainers and follow it as though it is their Bible. So anytime someone's held in there for a year, I always say eight months to a year, they have great success. Because that's the goal, right? You you just don't want to diet. See, to me, diet is short term. It's a little thing to get you started, but it's only short term. It's like the first step in the whole scheme of things. Because you mm-hmm. want long term success. This should be a lifestyle change. Absolutely. And you know, part of our sessions, they're only about thirty minutes, but they I try to impart as much knowledge as possible. And you know, I've had a few people come in and they're usually accountants who want to count all the calories. And that's okay too, but that isn't the key to actually losing weight. Um, it's more having knowledge to make the right decisions at the right times because we can't always sit down and we can't we don't have the time to just make sure we've got everything on paper counting calories. So 
I think knowledge is power number one, and then following through with whatever protocol that we um, prescribe for these people. Well, that's very true. Although I will say on a previous episode, I had a, a great book, Calorie In, Calorie Out Cookbook, um, that kind of talks about recipes and calories and, and you know, working them off through cardio, uh, whether it's jogging or walking. But the other part of that is that that's, it's a great tool. But mm-hmm. for some people, it's going to work and it's going to give them a great start. But what you're talking about is knowledge long term, I would think. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. different things work for different people. Don't you agree? Absolutely. So, yes, there are the, as I mentioned, the calorie people who really want that. And I can impart that knowledge, too. Uh, in my opinion, though, the most important thing is like making decisions as we as we live our daily lives, because we're going to be traveling, you know, for work, whether it's a day travel or a weekend, and maybe we won't have time to just constantly log everything. And, and that's okay to log everything. But I believe that you also have to have another kind of trick in your arsenal to deal with, you know, life as, as we make decisions when we eat. I couldn't agree more. But to go back into the, the exercise portion, I noticed, okay. and even myself when I go to the gym, I noticed right away in the first couple of weeks, you know, you see, oh, hi, how are you doing? You see people at the gym and uh, they're going at it hard. You say happy new to, new year's to them. They don't have time to, they barely have time to talk because they said, oh, I'm back at the gym. I'm working hard and they're, they're just going at it. And a few weeks later, it's true. You uh, it's kind of slacked off. You don't see them as much. Maybe they're, you know, planning trips or they've just, maybe they're just exhausted because they went at it so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is a good way to get started to feel results because I think a lot of us want something immediate you know you see ads within 30 days you know 30 minutes um, once a week or 30 minutes once a day you're going to lose x amount of weight quickly and you know how realistic is this how hard is it on the body and I think this is where people um, fall short right Um, It's a great question, and the best advice I can give is for at least two to five sessions to commit to a trainer who can prescribe proper exercises for your own physical needs. That way, when you go into the gym, you're not kind of wondering, what should I do? Should I just go on the treadmill and then maybe do some weight? You actually have a clear plan that you can follow through with and make sure that you finish. So that's the number one thing. Secondarily, that also helps you stay accountable to your exercise program when you're having to meet or make an appointment with the person. It's getting the ball rolling. It's taking that first one or two steps to actually create a lifestyle and a habit of coming to the gym and following the tasks that you have to complete when you're there. And those tasks are prescribed by professionals. So you know you're getting the best exercise you could possibly do. So, so that's about the first few things you can do to start off to, for your success. So really, it's making it more tangible. Absolutely, yes. Tangible and, and people really do need that accountability because it is so easy when, you know, you've made yourself a promise and unless that promise has come out of a very severe emotional situation where you're just so sick and tired of the way things have been, and that's good motivation too, um, actually committing to another person really, really helps 
um, keep the person accountable and, and they don't have an excuse to not be there because it's like any other appointment you make with a doctor or, or a client, et cetera. Well, I think some people just feel like they're going to go out there and pound the pavement and they're going to do a bunch of cardio and why do I need a trainer if I'm just going to go on the treadmill, I'm going to walk or I'm going to do cardio or cardio seems to be the big thing that people say they're going to do. Cardio is going to solve it all. Do you agree with this? Uh, in part, cardio has a very, very important role to play, you know, in our cardiovascular health, obviously. And yes, with uh, fat loss, but it isn't the most important. If I had to pick between weights and cardio, I'd definitely choose strength training. And what, with those people, I always ask them, well, how has your exercise regime worked out for you in the past? And it's clear, otherwise they wouldn't be so gung-ho to hit the pavement, that things have not been so successful. So in that case, it's time to really change it up and, and maybe consult a professional about what's the best way to go about your goals. So what would be the difference if someone did just cardio uh, okay. versus uh, a mix of cardio and strength training, whether I guess it's resistance or weights or, you know, along that line, what does one do versus the other? Okay, so it depends on a person's goals, but uh, I'll just give you kind of a general example. A person should come into the gym who is just trying to, let's say, shed 10 pounds, and they should focus on some cardiovascular training two to three times a week. In addition to that, if they can come another two or three times a week, so five days a week, which is ideal because everyone needs daily exercise, so Monday to Friday, possibly Saturday, there should be a balanced amount of strength training in that, uh, in that program. So what you're saying is every other day. So maybe one day cardio, if it say you started on Monday, you did some cardio. And Tuesday, you did your strength training. Yep, yep. That, is, that could be an example for someone. Again, it is very individual, and it also depends on the person's goals and if they have injuries and their current fitness level. But everyone, if I had to choose, it should be doing strength training first. Um, and I can give you a list of reasons as to why strength training well, is please more do. beneficial. All please right, do. here we go. <laughs> so strength training, number one, increases our muscle mass. And when I say that, I don't mean Arnold muscle mass, because if it was that easy, everybody would look like Arnold in the gym. No, I'm talking about actual muscle density and strength and, um, and ability to do life. So whenever we have a good, dense, muscle mass in our body, our ability to burn calories is therefore increased because muscle is active tissue. And when you're, when it's inactive, so when you're just sitting, it's actually using up more energy than if you were to have less muscle mass. If you're just sitting, you're using less energy because fat does not have energy requirements because it's not a live active tissue. So if we're gaining more muscle, we are increasing the fact that we need more calories and, and we're just using more energy. Second, uh, it is completely, it, it can be transferred over into life in so many different ways. I've had tons of clients who are just picking up their kids or groceries or whatever it is and they throw out their back, they injure their back, they injure their shoulder. It's because of weakness. So whenever you try to do anything in life which requires moving or just being active or maybe you're playing weekend sports, 
if you have strong joints, you have strong muscles, you have good flexibility, you're totally preventing those daily injuries. So it's also increasing the quality of life in that respect. Um, the way that you train with strength training, you can do something called supersets where you're doing two exercises back to back. For example, you could do push-ups and squats back to back. I do this a lot with my clients. And your heart rate will probably get higher than it could ever get when you're on the elliptical kind of just going steadily for 60 minutes. So in fact, what you are doing is expending way more energy and building muscle while you're in a strength training regime. Wow, I didn't realize that. So I guess between the two, you're, um, you're moving quickly in between the sets, creating mm -hmm. you know, your heart to go up. And mm -hmm. um, that's, I guess, your cardio. And you're building, yeah. you're building some muscle. Yeah, yeah. But that's got to so be... That's going to be different for everyone because even for myself, I've had, uh, I was in a car accident and I have a couple of injuries and although I, I'm at the gym, um, certain things I avoid at the moment, my goal is to try to get there, but in little steps. So not everyone can start off with that. There's, there's got to be less intense ways to do things. So if someone's intimidated, they're just going back or they have an injury this is where obviously it's key to have a personal trainer. Absolutely, because in this case, the trainer can assess exactly what is safe for you and what isn't. And they can ensure that you're not pushing yourself too hard, but that you're still getting a good exercise regime so that you do see results. So in other words, people shouldn't be intimidated by the whole personal trainer um, that, geez, you know, this is intimidating. I won't be able to do anything or they're embarrassed. That's another thing. I think people get really embarrassed about where they are in their, um, their fitness when they go to a trainer. I think a lot of people, uh, do you find that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it's uh, up to the trainer to help calm these people's fears. And it's completely understandable because if you take anyone and put them out of their comfort zone, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to feel ready to just go ahead and, and dive into something new. So I, I totally understand that. I've got clients for the first time who, you know, they, they're very afraid. And the trainer, uh, nine times out of ten, will always describe exactly what's going to happen. And they will just walk you through everything. And they will explain and give you the knowledge as to why you're doing it as well. And I also find that a lot of people, they think everybody's looking at them, but everybody is there for the same reason and nobody's staring at you and, and nobody's concerned with what you're doing. Everyone's focused on their own program. So these kind of fears that come up in our mind are, you know, they're something that we have to keep in check because we definitely have to keep our goals in mind that it's not about them or who's looking at me or anything. You know, you're there for you and, and it's really about putting trust in, in the person that, you know, is going to guide you through your new program. So really, you should be with a trainer that you feel comfortable with. You should be at a gym that you're comfortable with. I mean, maybe you're not comfortable with it all, but you have to start somewhere. I, I, you know, Absolutely. It's really yeah, a personal I'm, choice. It's a comfort level, obviously. And as you said, putting some trust into it. Absolutely. And you're, what you mentioned about the gym is, is right, because... You wouldn't want to go to a gold gym, which is known for its um, heavy, heavy lifters. You know, just like you also wouldn't want to go to a CrossFit gym, 
to start off right away if you're coming from completely zero, you know, you've got some excess body weight to shed. CrossFit's not something you want to just jump into as a very high intense. Um, so you do want to start at more of a family gym where you can sit down and meet with somebody and, and it's a very relaxed atmosphere. And I think people get overwhelmed too. They're starting at the gym and now there's personal training and there's all these things that may be um, taxing on them time-wise and through finances. But the benefits, I would say, outweigh, never mind possible injuries. Um, absolutely. The benefits are long-term. They're for life. They're for longevity. They are for injuries. Maybe an injury that, like a knee injury that may have caused you to miss work for three weeks. You could totally prevent that by having a stronger lower body. Um, I actually have one of my clients who says, she's a, a female, and she says, well, other women pay to get their hair done and their nails done, and I actually choose personal training because I know I'll be healthier for it in the end. And I'm like, well, that's a decision that she's made, and, and um, you know, we have to look at, okay, personal training does cost money, but what am I gaining uh, in the end instead of maybe going on this elaborate vacation or, you know, putting your money in, in other luxuries? Maybe I should really just focus on my health for the whole year. And, and invest in that because it is knowledge that will be imparted to you that you will never lose. So all of my clients now, they can actually train on their own. I can give them their programs and they understand how to do the exercises safely. That's something they will never, ever lose so that if I'm not there, they can carry that on for the rest of their lives. So it is about, you know, making, making changes and allocating, you know, to, tackling those excuses and and if it is a money issue you know where can I cut back to just really invest this year into my health because it is a long-term benefit so for those who um, again they're on a budget they can't afford it but they really want to do it they really want to mm -hmm. do it but they just don't have the money forget the hair the nails they just don't have the money what is okay. a, a way to get started in baby steps let's say so they've joined the gym, and for a lot of people, that's a huge expense and a big step. Now they're mm -hmm. going to take on some personal training. To get them started, do they really need to do, like, you know, three times a week? What would be a reasonable baby step when it comes to this? Okay, a reasonable baby step is the fact that they joined the gym in the first place. That's great. Number two, um, usually what gyms do is give you a, a generic program to get you started. If they could get there, let's say it's a time constraint, just once or twice a week and do that 30-minute program, that would make all the difference. So what does that program look like? Well, usually we give um, a very light, let's say, walking on the treadmill mm -hmm. to warm up for about 15 to 20 minutes. And after that, any gym will have a various a display of machines that you can use. And the program will target major muscle groups upper and lower body, and it will all be extremely safe And um, because you're very supported when you're using machines. And the lights will be lighter, or, sorry, the weights will be lighter, and uh, it'll be safe and it'll be easy. So if a person can start that 30 to 45 minutes once or twice a week, that as a baby step will definitely change uh, the way they're feeling and it won't be a huge you know, program that they're diving into. 
And so what would you expect? What is the average? I know it really depends on the individual. I, I completely get that. But what is the average, let's say, um, in time that you before you see a difference? Because you're not just, even though you feel great, you're feeling better, you're not going to see a huge difference in two weeks. So what would you say if someone is following their program, just to keep them motivated? We all like to see a little change for the better, right? What would you think... Um, your average time before you start to see some changes. Okay, well, to it's not to three weeks that, when people fall off, obviously. Right. Yes. Yes. So yes, it is. It is long-term goals that you really want to start seeing visual changes, but you will feel. This is one of the benefits of, of training, strength training specifically. You will feel the difference within two weeks. Definitely, some people the first week. So what I mean by feel is you will have more energy. Uh, sometimes your strength levels can go up by the second, third week uh, slightly, and you'll notice that. For example, you know, before you were doing five pounds on your chest press, and the next two, three weeks, you're able to do 10. And so you'll notice those small strength increases immediately, and that's, that's an excellent benefit, and it's very um, empowering and gives an intrinsic feeling of accomplishment when that happens. As far as the visual... That does depend on if you're following diet. Let's say this person is really following diet. They only they have about you know 30 pounds to lose. They can start seeing results within, and it does depend on their metabolic rate. One month, two months, maybe slight changes, and it depends where they are carrying their weight. Um, but to really accurately, and that's a that's a very rare case. Let me be more general. To accurately see results. Six to eight months is the time frame that I give to be safe. And that can be discouraging for some people. It really can be discouraging. I have clients that if they heard that initially, um, they would be discouraged. That takes too long. And yet, that's really not about doing the work. That's about their mindset. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely true because let's look at other things in life. You know, if we're saving money, uh, we've long-term goals. We're not going to save the our retirement fund in six months, in three months. It's a long-term thing that we have to sit down with a professional and and understand. You know, these are the small steps it's going to take monthly to get to this goal. It's the same thing with exercise. And if we also look at the state that we're in as far as our health, you didn't get that way over six months or over three months. Sorry, you got that way over a lifetime of not following a healthier lifestyle. So you can't just decide to change it after 10 years of sitting at a desk, eating Tim Hortons muffins all day long, and then just be like, all right, January, three months, I'm going to lose all this weight. No, you're going to have to realistically assess your, your goals and, and look at it within, I always say one year. It has to be one year. I do say six months to see results because that's when you will really start seeing results but actually one year to really keep it, create a habit and, and create a lifestyle. And it is work and it is about keeping it simple, I think, tangible and really adjusting your, your mindset that this is not going to be overnight and this is really a lifestyle change. This isn't just a short-term thing where you're going to spruce yourself up and then that's it. You don't have to, oh, I don't have to do anything. It doesn't make sense. But that's a way a lot of people think, that it's short term. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get what they need immediately, they fall off or life gets busy. And mm -hmm. 
they fail. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, That's obviously with 8% success rate, um, so there's research um, from the University of Stratton shows that's pretty um, telling on how many of us do get discouraged and just don't um, take tangible or make tangible goals and keep it simple. And really, I think the biggest issue is our, our changing the way we're thinking about it all. You're absolutely right. It is completely mentality because my like I gave the example for, you know, with money and and holding and, and creating a, um, a retirement fund, that's a long-term goal and that's something you're committing to every month. And fitness has to be looked at the same way. You, you can't just all of a sudden jump into it and go gung-ho and think, all right, this is going to happen. Um, that's one way to do it as long as you can sustain it. But we have to put in the time and the energy and the effort and any excuse that you come up with is uh, again, it's from your mindset, but that's only going to thwart you and discourage you if, if we're making excuses. So it's all about constantly focusing on, on the positive outlook that you that you want to achieve. So what about these periods of time where people can, I mean, life does get busy. So we're, we're going to the gym. We've got a personal trainer now. And um, all of a sudden, uh, we're going to go away for two weeks. And then you get back and then you're back to work and it gets busy and you've been away for two weeks and now three weeks to a month have passed and you're not at the gym. How can we kind of stay, keep that ball rolling with activity and motivation um, and even enjoy our time away and get back to the gym? What are some, do you have any strategies that you ever suggest in these cases? Yeah, when people are traveling, uh, there's usually in this day and age some kind of fitness facility that is available. So I have many clients who they travel for business and they stay in hotels and the gym is not glorious, but it is there. And so they're able to, you know, go down and do at least 30 minutes in a day because that makes such a big difference, especially when you're traveling within North America and we've got those American-sized portions because of business dinners and, and all this food being thrown at you. If you can really focus on, you know, the 30 minutes just in the morning or in the evening, whatever suits your schedule best, that will keep your fitness level consistent and it'll prevent any falling off. Uh, when you're on vacation, let's say it's like the Caribbean or you're going to Europe, well, I don't tend to give too many restrictions other than the obvious, don't overeat and binge every night. But yes, you do really want to enjoy yourself because those are, those are places that, you know, you're only going there for a week. A week's indulgence is not going to, if you have a good fitness level, completely destroy all of your goals. Uh, but you do want to have restrictions and you want to stay active. So let's say you're going to the Caribbean. There, every single um, resort these days has some kind of activity going on, whether it's sports or fitness in the pool. There's long walks on the beach or in the city. Uh, where you're staying. So there's plenty of ways to stay active. If you have kids, there's all kinds of kids programs going on where you can put them in that when you go and do your fitness routine. So it's actually about incorporating the activity in your, uh, in your vacation. If you are going to Europe, Europe is the best place to walk. So never underestimate long walks, especially if you're going at a good pace, because they actually um, 
create, you know, a higher rest, a higher heart rate. That way you're burning more energy. So that does account for something and some activity when you're moving around. And again, if you're, if you're going to, for example, as an example, Germany or Switzerland, they have excellent like biking tours and they don't have to be, you know, cyclist tours. I mean, for professionals, I mean, just, um, when you're, when you're doing sightseeing. So if you're using a bike, you know, that's going to challenge your quads and get your heart rate up. And, and that's all going to play a part in staying active. Now, if you want to go to a gym, you can absolutely do that. But if that's not something that you're interested in when you're on vacation, just make sure that you're doing some of these activities that are offered all around us. So it's really about making an effort to be, have an active lifestyle, to be in very um, intense, what's the word? Uh, have intent when you're going on your vacation to not just lay down and do nothing and have all kinds of bread and pasta, uh, but to be active. So it's about a plan. Yes, it's about it, a plan. It's about a plan. Absolutely. And so when you look at your vacation, you, you look at your tours. Are they walking tours? Um, what are you getting in between a bus tour and, and you're traveling? Maybe you want to look at some of these hotels you're staying in and see if they have gyms and or, or pools or something that you can keep active. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, I think as much as you can enjoy these um, dinners and meals and try things when you go out, this just is going to sound terrible, but I always say to myself, Anita, this is not your last meal. You can have yeah. it, you can try it, but you don't have to have it all. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So it is, and, and that's when I do nutrition, um, part of some of the knowledge and the tactics that I impart to people that it's about changing your mindset and your mentality around food as well. Uh, and that's a great, a great tactic because we tend to think like, oh, I don't want to miss out on this. Well, there's going to be plenty more and there's no reason to inhale enough for three days. Uh, there is, I'm sure everyone's heard of the French phenomenon where French people don't, you know, seem to gain weight, although they're eating wine and cheese and creamy that's things right. all day. Yeah. <laughs> so they, I noticed in their culture, well, their food quality is excellent, uh, but they're enjoying things slowly and in small amounts. So they're not being bombarded and binging and they're and getting their insulin levels up. And then they, they do walk around and move around more than we do here in North America, less reliance on the car. So yes, it is all about, you know, making those um, small changes around the mentality of food in general. Well, it's about enjoying it. I really think we could have um, very tasty dishes, meals, and... And, and have them healthy. And we don't have to overindulge. Again, it's not our last meal. And I think um, and our, our changing our mindset around that, that, okay, um, when I go away, I cannot, I can't start um, a new fitness regime or I can't keep it up because I'm going on vacation. Well, we don't have to, you know, blow it when we're on vacation. We can keep it reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. You know, my dad went away to Barcelona not too long ago and he walked for eight hours just sightseeing. Like walking eight hours, that's a lot of activity. Although you don't even notice because you're enjoying yourself so much. Um, but that is uh, a, a prime example of enjoying yourself, but you're still staying active. And that can definitely help towards keeping your body in a certain level of fitness. And one other thing, after people have 
kind of gained their habitual fitness regime, when they do go away, and let's say they it's for a week and they do, you know, overindulge a little bit because of the setting they're in, because they're so, you know, they've increased their fitness level so much, your body can handle a week without, you know, gaining a couple pounds or three pounds just because you've gone away for a week. And that's one of the also the long-term benefits of really increasing your fitness levels that when you do fall off for a slight bit, there's no physical effect. And um, that's something to keep in mind for, you know, later down the line when, when you are really fit, that's, that's something you can be proud of. Not that I'm saying you have to go and binge, <laughs> but if you happen to, your body can deal with it much better. So you have some forgiveness. Absolutely. Yes. Otherwise, you know, everything becomes very, uh, you feel trapped between a rock and a hard place. You feel like there's no freedom, that you can't enjoy life. And that's not, that's not true because we, we do have to, you know, have that glass of wine once in a while, you know, have dessert once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you've already attained extreme health, uh, you've reached, you know, the fitness goals that you want then your body is able to deal with that 20%, you know, the 80-20 rule of the time that you're maybe at a friend's birthday party and, and you want to indulge a little bit. It's okay. So the 80-20 rule, meaning 80% you try to stay on target and 20% you're going to not be so on target. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. just to kind of sum this up, because we all want to be part of this 8%. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic where we can turn 8%, even like to 90%. That would be wonderful and really help uh, people not become diabetics and diabetics having success even in managing their lifestyles because it, you know, it's a struggle and exercise and food are something we really have to balance. Everyone should be balancing this, diabetic or not. But with, you know, obesity the epidemic of obesity, mm-hmm. we really have to start, you know, changing this 8% into a far larger number. So what would be a couple of things to take away today? Keeping it simple, I know, making it tangible, but, you know, for those that have fallen off or want to start or keep going, just a couple of things that they can start with exercise because food's important. We all know that. Um, we all know we should be eating healthier. There's apps, there's lots of books, and it's wonderful. But when it comes mm-hmm. to the exercise, which is so key, mm-hmm. what are some great tips just to get started? Just And what if you don't want to join a gym? Just is cardio the way to start, uh, a balance of it, swimming? Um, is swimming, swimming cardio and resistance? Just what are some good little steps we can take to start? Okay. So the very first thing I would ask the person who's starting from, from zero, never did any exercise before, I would find out what is the thing that you love to do that does involve some activity. So, for example, I know of one woman who is starting from scratch, and she loves walking her dog. That is something she can use to begin, and you don't have to join a a gym to do that. That is something you can use to begin a cardiovascular routine. Because when you're walking, you know, there's different terrains. You might encounter stairs, uh, and and that can really challenge you. So, And and it's a, a simple, lovely, enjoyable thing that, in this case, this person loves to do. So I would definitely say the number one thing is find something that you love so maybe it is swimming, 
uh, and try your best to do that one thing every day for 30 minutes with intent. Okay. And okay. that's the number two thing. Number, or sorry, number one. Number two is if you can join a gym, to definitely consult with a trainer uh, to get your goals lined up, write everything down on paper so you have a clear idea of, uh, you know, organizing your thoughts and kind of bunking myths that people have about training because if you actually meet with a trainer, you'll be able to understand the real truth of what it is rather than, you know, your preconceived idea of maybe what it was. So if you actually sit down with someone, they can lay it out for you and, and just following that clear goal if you are going to go the gym route um, in, a, in a professionally designed program, that would be my number two suggestion to start, you know, once or twice a week until it becomes habit and you feel more comfortable with the whole gym setting. Okay, so it's so far we're hearing a lot of empowerment with knowledge. And number three? Number three would be basically to definitely stick to it. Make a plan. Um, whatever you, yeah, make a plan. So you've already found what you love to do and you've incorporated that. That's the number one. Number two, you've got your pers- your personally designed program that is exact for you. Number three is making commitment and sticking to it and never allowing yourself to make excuses because that will always give us open the door for, well, I'm going to stay home tonight because I had a really long day at work. Um, don't allow yourself to do that at all because then you're going to eventually fall off and never come back. So find what you love, get on a good program, and commit to it. Do or die as much as possible. So even if you have a day where you're saying, oh, you know, I've had a long day and I'm tired, you could do something at home. Absolutely. That's when you revert back to what you love. I can't go to the gym today, um, so I'm going to walk the dog or I'm going to take my kids to the park or whatever it is that you can do that's part of your lifestyle, but it has to be active. So not your daily routines of vacuuming perhaps or, you know, whatever yard work you may be doing. If it's a regular activity day to day, like I said, vacuuming, house cleaning, yard work, that's not going to shut off the pounds because you've got the pounds on you while you're doing it. It must be added activity. Um, that's, we, we can't fully discount those, those activities. And it depends how quickly you're doing it and what the activity is. Um, so, you know, there are a lot, if you're shoveling snow, that's extremely, or raking leaves, that can be extremely taxing. So that could definitely be counted towards, um, cardiovascular training. But, you know, if we're kind of moseying along and just putting dishes away, no, we can't, we can't really, it's all about intensity. Um, so whatever activity you're doing. So to answer the question, it can be, depending on the intensity level of, of the activity, part of a, you know, uh, cardiovascular training, definitely. Okay, well, that's fantastic. And, and hopefully, um, you know, keeping it simple uh, and tangible and being committed and finding things you love, finding the support of a personal trainer, going to a gym, being mindful when you're away, Um, All of these things will help push us all towards that 8%, growing it into a larger number of people that have success in changing their lifestyles for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to thank you for joining me today, Janet. It's been um, very insightful. 
And hopefully it's motivated a lot of people to get back on, um, you know, a good exercise program, a start one, uh, or keep on going. Because as we say, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Absolutely. And everybody has the ability to do it. And, and if you don't believe you can do it, there are millions of testimonies online. And I've got my one, many of myself of people who have been, you know, just the last 10 pounds to losing a hundred pounds. Um, there's many, many people who've done it and, and you can do it too. It's just a matter of the commitment and, and the motivation coming from what's inside of you to, to follow through with your long-term goals. That's wonderful. Remember to check with your doctor when making any changes to your exercise or diet. If you have any questions you'd like to share, please email me at anita at anitacoach.ca and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.